I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is the podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey. Hi. Uh, So this week, I think we are mainly going to be talking about one thing um primarily i have another thing to kind of talk about at the end just for a little pick me up after what is sure to be uh kind of a bit of a heavy episode so let's just jump right in on sunday yep i got a text from a group chat that i uh, i'm in with um old co-workers of mine and it said that Kobe died. Yeah, I was, so I got to go to the Grammys on Sunday. Not like the main ones, but like the ones before. And I was with the child I take care of and his mom and we were having lunch and Max's mom texted me and was like, Kobe died in a helicopter crash. And I Googled it and literally 10 minutes before TMZ had posted Right. That. So when she texted me in the group chat, it literally, she must have, or someone she knows must have an alert from TMZ because... I texted her back because I Googled Kobe. Yeah. Nothing came up. Yeah. Same. And I texted her back and I said, I think somebody's playing a joke on you. Yeah. And uh, then she linked the TMZ article and it had been posted like three minutes prior. Yeah. And then after that, everyone else started picking it up. And so let's kind of just start right there, first of all, um, because TMZ did report it, which to me felt really gross. Uh yeah, it's it's gross for a lot of reasons, and for me, the number one reason that it's gross is because they hadn't notified the family yet. So right. TMZ was reporting it to everybody. Families. When, yeah. Right, multiple families. Yeah. Like, because the other people in that helicopter, they knew that their 
loved ones were with Kobe that exactly. day. So multiple families are now wondering what happened. It was also reported on, because now everybody's clamoring to get the story, there were a lot of false reports. Yeah. There were a lot of people being like, all of his daughters were on the flight with him. It was only five people in addition to him. It was seven. It was nine. Yeah. It was like, the numbers were all over the place. Yeah. It it was just really irresponsible, in my opinion. I understand that that's the point. Um, but I had something very similar happen in my personal life that it, it makes me furious because it's just so disrespectful to the families it involved is. to need to break this story so badly that you... Um, that, that you spread false information. Yeah, or that you're the one to give that news yeah. to you know, Vanessa Bryant and her daughters. Yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not ethical journalism at all. Like, it's just very unethical. My friend actually worked for TMZ for a day, and he was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, no, it's awful. Um, And I remember thinking whenever I heard that he, there wasn't a, a helicopter crash, Anthony and I were talking about how cloudy and foggy it was outside. We ha- I had to because I was driving into downtown and we saw, like, we drove past Universal Studios and you can mm-hmm. see the big minion and the Harry right. Potter castle. We were like, ooh, it looks so spooky. There's so much fog. Right. It was, it was overcast. Yeah. I remember thinking in the morning, because we were getting ready to go to Anaheim because we went to Disneyland on Monday and we spent the night in Anaheim on Sunday night. And I woke up late because there was so much cloud cover. Yeah. So I wondered... Like, why were they flying in the first so place? So, what my understanding of that is that they basically made a a special uh, trip. Like, they weren't going to fly. The pilot said, "You know, it's really foggy," but they kind of convinced the pilot, from what I've heard, that it was a good idea. And um, they were flying really, really low. And that's the thing is they were flying low because they were trying to not get into the fog too much. But because they were flying so low and there was fog, they could they could hit something, you know? Right. So what I saw was it wasn't that the people on board convinced the pilots. I don't fly. think it was the people on board. Yeah, there was. So first of all, this is very standard for Kobe. This is his private helicopter. He takes it all the time. And that pilot, too, is like um, his go-to pilot. Right. That pilot is a very experienced pilot. Um, what I'm questioning is why they did get special permission. So they reached out to the Burbank Airport. Yes. And they were granted special permissions to be able to fly in fog. That's it. I don't understand why they were given those permissions because earlier that morning, LAPD took all of their helicopters out of the air. Because because the vision was so bad. And what happened was he was navigating almost entirely using, um, like, the technology, like, sonar or whatever else they were using. Because clearly, like, his actual visibility um, was extremely low. And so they hit the mountain. They missed the top of it by, like, 20 or 30 feet. Uh, They were just flying slightly too low. And... There's an investigation going on into who is responsible yeah. uh, or whether or not it was like a combination of things that that made made this occur. Honestly, I feel like it's probably going to come out that it was multiple factors. I don't think it was just one person's negligence. I think it was maybe some pride, maybe some ego, like, you know, oh, we can still do this. We can still fly this. I don't know. Well, I don't know because... I bet you if they had told him 
that he was not allowed to fly, he wouldn't have flown. Yeah. Because as a pilot, you can have your license revoked okay. if you fly in whenever you're not supposed to when you don't have permission to. Then, so what, it, then makes it would me, be someone at, like, the Burbank airport. Right. It makes me wonder who all made that decision. Was there a combination of that being a bad decision and then also maybe the pilot did one thing wrong and it was just the combination of those two factors, his yeah. limited visibility. I also saw that the helicopter was missing, um, like, an alert system mm. that would have told them that they were too close. Uh, okay. Well, and if something? he was relying on that technology and that alert system was broken, right. that's, you know, that's not good. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could have been a number of things. So, it's interesting being in Los Angeles when this happened because yeah. Kobe was incredibly important to Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, he was a hero to Los Angeles. He was a role model. Yeah. Um, I've never seen personally a city grieve yeah. the way that LA has grieved. Well, and what was crazy for me is so I was in the audience watching the the premier Grammy Awards and I'm like on my phone whenever I can be refreshing trying to get as much information as I can and we are at the Microsoft Theater which is where they usually do the Emmys and then literally 10 steps outside the door is the Staples Center mm-hmm. and that's where the main Grammy Awards are held and that's where the Lakers play. Mm-hmm. So I walk out with tea at the end of the awards ceremony and there's posters and fans and there's so many Laker jerseys and all of the screens are lit up with his face and rest in peace and it was such a weird thing because there's this mix of almost like it looks like everybody's going to prom and then there's the people who are in these jerseys who are crying and even the people who are dressed up are crying and it was just like thousands of people and it was the weirdest mix of people and events ever like it was so it was a really weird thing to feel like I was kind of in the middle of because I was at the Staples Center. Right. It was really bizarre yeah, and, and so moving. It was also just a strange coincidence that the Grammys were the same night held the Staples Center because I know that that caused a lot of anxiety yeah. uh, for law enforcement because, of course, people were flocking there yeah. uh, to pay their respects to Kobe. Um, and, it, you know, it's just been kind of like an interesting few days and – there's been a lot of reactions to it. Before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about uh, the victims of the crash. Most definitely. So, of course, Kobe uh, passed away in the crash. He was 41 years old, uh, which he died on Anthony's 41 for 41st birthday. So that was strange. His daughter, Gianna, was 13. Mm-hmm. She passed away. And in addition to her, there were... A number of other people who were all going to the um, to a basketball the little camp. mambas. I actually have um, information on the other people that passed away. So the other people who passed in the crash were John Altobelli, who was a champion baseball coach, along with his wife Carrie and their daughter Alyssa. Uh, the other victims were Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Ara Zabayan. So Christina Mauser was an assistant basketball coach who worked with Kobe. And um, she and her daughter were on the plane together, headed to the Little Mamba's basketball team. Um, Was it a camp or a game? I thought it was a game. It was a camp. Okay. Uh, They do games. Okay. Um, I actually don't think it was, it wasn't Christina Mauser's daughter. So Christina Mauser was... Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. Yes. So Christina Mauser was the assistant coach, but she, this is what I was reading. She leaves behind her husband, Matt, a four-year-old, a nine-year-old, and an 11-year-old 
child. Peyton Chester was also a teammate of Gianna and loved basketball. Her mother, Sarah, was traveling with her, who unfortunately also passed away. They are survived by Sarah's husband, Chris, and uh, their two sons, Hayden and Riley. And then Ara Zabayan was the pilot of the plane, um, who everybody says was known to be really reliable. He was an instructor. He was very a very smart flyer. Um, and that's why it was so weird to have him be the one where it uh, crashed. He was, you know, Kobe's go-to um, pilot. And I I really wanted to, I read a bunch of different articles on multiple websites about the people who passed that weren't uh, Kobe or Gianna because I feel like nobody's really discussed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the one that I've focused on the most in kind of my, like, grieving this week has been Gianna. Right. I mean, this is devastating no matter how you want to look at it. You have full families, like the Altobelli family, they lost both parents and a sister. There are other siblings in that family. Yeah. Uh, So their family has been wiped out, you know, almost entirely. You have the Bryant family who lost a father, husband, and a daughter, a sister. Yeah. Uh, Then, you know, you... You have other families who lost the the wife and the daughter. Both are gone. So you have children left motherless, left fatherless. You have an entire team uh, of people, the Mambas, who I'm sure are grieving yeah. the loss of all of these people who were very important to them. Yeah. And it's devastating no matter how you look at it. It is. It's, Literally every side of it is It's hurt. tragic, right? Yeah. So, Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the reactions to this yeah. uh, situation because it's it's incredibly nuanced, and I actually had <clears throat> I feel very honored that people thought to reach out to me. Uh, some people on Facebook, people I haven't even met, reached out to me, and they were like, "I'm having these conflicted feelings about uh, the death of Kobe because I'm yeah. a rape survivor, I'm a sexual assault survivor, right. and I'm feeling conflicted about these things." Yeah, and can you talk to me about that? And so I did. I talked to them about it. I think it's a very nuanced, complicated thing to talk about. And I have to say, I think that there are people who have handled that part of the situation very poorly. Uh, It's a conversation that I've had with Max a lot because he had a lot of questions for me about, one, how I would discuss it today on the show, what my thoughts were. um, Well, I think here's the issue, right? We are... We have looked at things in a very binary way and in a very black and white way. And this is part of the problem. This is part of something that I feel like we as a culture need to move away from this, uh, you know, cancel culture idea, this idea that things are black and white because they're yeah. not, right? There are multiple truths that, that exist here, right? Yeah. And, like, his legacy is complicated. And there is a right way and a wrong way to address that. Yeah. And there's a lot of criticism that I have seen coming from the black and brown communities that I'm a part of. I'm in several um, communities on Facebook, Facebook groups that are just for people of color, and they're expressing how frustrated they are with particularly white women and the way that they've come to talk about Kobe because there are simultaneous things that need to be respected that exist here. Um, One of them, of course, is survivors of sexual assault and rape. Uh, because I would encourage anybody who doesn't know to go and look up that case. I remember it. It is incredibly nuanced. And it is upsetting. Yeah. It is upsetting. And 
for the most part, any reasonable person, there are unreasonable people, but most reasonable people believe that he raped her. I mean, I don't think that there's a lot of debate about that. There's some interesting evidence that I was unaware of when I read the Wikipedia page all about just the assault. There is some interesting evidence where I can see where the defense was taking. If if it had gone to trial, I can see where the defense was going to take it. Uh, That would have raised more question with Kobe, but it didn't go to trial. So I think that a lot of some of that evidence is missing. I do believe this woman 100%. He admits Uh, to having sex with her. I believe a lot of the evidence uh, would bear out that he raped her. I think 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 that he raped her. Well, and and even with the wounds that were found on her, Mm -hmm. he was able to say, yes, I did that. So he he never really said, well, first he said I didn't sleep with her. And then once they were like, well, we have this and you obviously did. He's like, okay, I slept with her, but I didn't rape her. Right. You know, and so, but there is uh, evidence that shows that this woman was raped. I believe her when she said that Kobe is the one who raped her. And that is the thing for me. I I either totally forgot or never learned of this case because I wanted to make a post on our page about Kobe passing Mm -hmm. away. And you brought it up where you were like, you know, let's wait till we talk about it because there is a lot going on. And that's when I started reading about it. And it is hard to admire somebody when you know certain facts about them but yet also feel very sad because of all the good they did do right well you know but that's the problem is that we keep looking at people as if they exist as good or evil which is just not the case but rape is something that's so evil like that's hard for me sure like if he had stolen things or if but i believe that i believe that murders can murderers can be there's redemption for them. That's true. That's 100% true. And I'm not, I understand it's a very nuanced conversation. And like where I was going with that is that I believe he raped her. Like I believed he raped her. I believed it needs to be part of his legacy. I believe it needs to be something that we can talk about. I believe that survivors can deal with that however they need to deal with that. And that nobody should jump in and try and silence them. I also believe that two black and brown communities, Kobe Bryant was a role model to them and they are trying to figure out what grief and accountability looks like at the same time uh and white communities need to give them space yeah to be able to do that yeah um you know i just think that it's something that we all just need to be a little bit more uh patient about yeah it needs to be discussed it's not something that i think needs to be swept under the rug at all right but there's been so much speculation on like my facebook page and i had a friend of mine is a victim of rape and abuse and they made a facebook post talking about how everyone on facebook is speculating as to well his victim must feel this way because she's seeing him be lionized in the media uh and that you really can't speculate as to how she feels because survivors of abuse and rape have very complicated feelings towards their abusers. Right. And we can't assume that she's happy he's dead. No. <laughs> you know? Or we can't assume, you know, that... I mean, you can't kind of assume that maybe it's bringing some of it back because he's being sure. in the media a lot, but you can't guess how a person How feels. she's dealing with that. Yeah. My, my big question here is, um, you know, immediately after his death... The this conversation of his rape came up almost instantly. Do you feel that it was brought up too soon, or do you feel like it was brought up in the appropriate time? I don't like thinking... 
I don't like saying this isn't the time, right? I don't like that. Uh, I think it's been used to weaponize conversations uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. I think it's been used a lot in conversations of gun control and things like that, saying, like, this isn't the time or whatever. Um, So I don't want to say that. Uh, I do want to say that I think some news outlets or some people on Twitter or social media, the way they went about talking about it was insensitive given the scope of this tragedy. Right. Right? Like, so I'm not saying that it shouldn't be in the conversation or part of his legacy or something that is brought up. Um, but also the way that it was brought up, I feel like wasn't constructive. I feel like we could have a conversation about fame and about sexual assault and about victims and about believing women and having all of those conversations that could be really constructive. And that's not what I was seeing on social media. I think you just put it into words how I was feeling because I, I asked that question because I was struggling with how to eloquently put how I was feeling. And I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head because it's not about silencing people and telling them that it's not the time to discuss it. I think it it is about the manner in which it is discussed. And I think it's also about um, being thoughtful of the other members of that flight who passed away where I don't want, yes, the, that side of Kobe Bryant needs to be explored but there are there is so much tragedy in one that it almost feels weird to be focusing on this one person in this one part where we can focus on that but also be thinking about all the other people and the lives. Right. And look, I'm not I have no sympathy really for rapists or no. murderers or whatever. I'm not trying to come across as if I do. It doesn't but, sound like that to me. But I also want it to just be understood that People are complex. Yeah. And you can be a good father mm-hmm. and, and a loving father. And you can be um, somebody who advocates for women's sports and yeah. black communities. And you can be a beacon of hope for yeah. for marginalized people and also have done this really awful thing. Yeah. Like, it, these can all exist within one person. Yeah. And people are going to grieve the way that they need to. And I think everyone just needs to give people space to do that. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, my my first thought when I was originally researching the sexual assault case was whether or not we are going to have more women come forward and say that they were abused by him. I feel like that's something that tends to happen. I feel like it would have happened already. I feel like it would have as well. And that has kind of helped me process uh, the information that I've read and, you know, to figure out what his life looked like after that. Right. You I know? mean, and, and from what I've seen, he did manage to, to change. That doesn't... I think what upsets people is that Yes, he paid her restitution, and that is a form of justice, but it's not the kind of justice that we wanted to see done in this case. Right. And I also think that there's a bigger conversation to be had about entitlement and sports culture that needs to go on. yeah. Because there could be a reality in which Kobe didn't think that he was doing anything wrong. Exactly. Because... because, What he said, he said as much. Right, because sports stars... We've given them so much leniency and we've allowed them to get away with so much for so long. He was playing in the NBA at like nine or 18. It was 17. Yeah, he was really, really young. Yeah. And so it's like... He was raised in that world. He was raised in a world where he could get away with whatever. And it's not an excuse. It's not at all. At all. It's really not an excuse. But and it is an indictment on our culture for yeah. what we allow 
men of privilege, no matter uh-huh. what it is, especially sports athletes, yeah. to get away with. Well, and it's not athletes. even just the athlete themselves, it's the fans, because one of the big reasons why this never went to trial was because the uh, accused wouldn't give testimony because she was getting so much backlash well, and, and hate mail. And his lawyers played very dirty. Like, this, oh, case, dirty. this case is really upsetting. It, yeah. I mean, and I see why it's triggering to to people who are victims of rape. I see yeah. that because the way this woman was treated... So, first of all, they were not supposed to... She was supposed to remain um, anonymous. Yeah. And his defense attorneys were instructed never to use her name in court. They said her name something like three or four times in their opening statements, and then they were like, whoopsie, accident. Uh, And so, of course, she was targeted. Yeah. And, you know, this case is terrible. Yeah. There is no sugarcoating it. I believe her. I Mm -hmm. believe he raped her. I believe it needs to be part of his legacy. Um, I also believe that this was a sudden tragic loss, that there is psychology behind people grieving people they've never met before. Yeah. And while I was not a sports fan, I don't really care that much about Kobe. It was still shocking to me, but it wasn't, I didn't cry. I didn't grieve like that. But I also don't belittle people who do because, you know, I was watching the news, watching full grown men in tears. I was, I was crying. I got, I got home Sunday night and it was on ESPN and I made myself watch this for like an hour and a half. I just felt like I needed, I needed to know everything. I, I felt I would feel weird changing the channel. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to watch this, and it was the things that were spoken about Gianna that right. really got to me. And I just cried. I cried a lot, and I and it wasn't necessarily even because I'm a big fan or I'm a, you know, whatever. It was just the the knowing of the loss that these people have experienced right. and thinking about the people in my life. Well, yeah. And it's I just, mean, it's overwhelming. And that's something that people also need to take into account because I've seen, again, so many black and white kind of analysis, um, analyses about, about Kobe and, like, why are we sad a rapist died? And, you know, and the thing is that person was still a person, a complex person, who did good and bad things, and his family is going to mourn him. I'm sure there are people in your life who did awful things that you still love and would still be sad if they passed away. And in fact, I'm sure that there are men in your life, grandparents, fathers, who have done things that you don't even know about. Yeah. If you knew about it, of course, it would change the way you look at them in in one respect, but you would still mourn their loss. Yes, of course. You, you know love what them. I mean? Because you love them. Yeah. And so grief is complicated. And I just urge everyone to just handle everybody with a little bit of compassion here because when we're talking about intersectionality, it needs to be understood that some of these people, like for me, it was Michael Jackson, right? Like I yeah. have to come to a reckoning about like, Someone who meant so much to an entire community, yeah. the black community, what that meant. Bill Cosby was the same way, right? Uh-huh. What that meant to to us as a community, um, what it made us feel like we could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all of those things, having to grapple then with your entire childhood, having to re- figure right. out what accountability looks like yeah. and where you want to draw what, the line. Yeah, what your lines are. And you have to give people space to do that. And you also have to give people space who are triggered by 
seeing somebody who committed a violent sexual assault be praised. Yeah. Like, you need to allow those people. Don't silence those people and don't silence these people. We need to come to a place where we can come to the table and have a good conversation. Yeah, well, and I think that when we're talking about grief, that's something that is uh, very often scrutinized is how people grieve. And everybody thinks they know the proper way that a person should grieve a certain event or a certain person. And I think that it's a lot of people getting into other people's business. It's like, let people grieve and think about this the way that they choose to. You don't need to prove somebody wrong or say that they're doing it, that they're grieving the wrong way. People are entitled to their feelings. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I did have people message me privately and say, like, this triggered me and it's it's frustrating to me because no yeah. one will listen to me about, like, why we should talk about this. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's frustrating and, like, you should allow that person to be able to have their feelings and say, I'm triggered by this and this is why. Yeah. Um, and take that in, absorb that. Exactly. And then you process it however you need to. There's no need from either side to jump in on someone's post where they say they're grieving the death of someone who they had admired and say, you're dumb for grieving this because he was a rapist. 100%. And there's no reason to jump in on someone's post who was a victim of sexual assault and say, how dare how you, dare you speak this talk way. about this yeah. right now? Like, honestly, both of those things can exist and we can le- let it go. Le- leave it alone. And then someday soon, whenever some, when the wounds have healed, we'll have a comprehensive conversation. I think that's a... I think that's a good way to go about it. You know, like, because I just think it's the only way. And there have been some really great, um, I was going to read them, but we're running long, but there were some very good analyses about this and how it all can exist um, within an intersectional lens on on Facebook. There were some really good things. So I think what you just said encapsulizes all of that. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was a, that you made a, a lot of really good points, especially on things that I was maybe feeling questionable about. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's complicated. It's it like, is. You d- yeah. It's, anyway, it's very complicated. <laughs> well, do you have something a bit lighter that I, you'd like to I end do, with? I okay. do. I do. So uh, last week we talked about DeAndre Arnold, who uh-huh. was the teen from Texas who was not allowed to walk in, or would not be allowed to walk in his graduation if he did not cut his dreadlocks. Yeah. Well, he appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and Alicia Keys actually came out and presented him with a twenty thousand dollar check uh, because. He is refusing to uh, yeah. cut his dreadlocks, and so he is not allowed to go to school or walk in the graduation because he's not in compliance with the dress code or whatever. Wait, so if he can't go to school, is is he even going to be eligible to graduate I mean, if he's not finishing his year? I would hope that they're sending him homework at home to yeah. do. To me... Because he's suspended, right? He's not expelled, so he can still right. get the, that the would, stuff. That would be what I would assume. <laughs> if they don't let him graduate because he's not in compliance with the dress code, I would be appalled. Yeah. More appalled than I actually yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't understand how he's been going to this school for however many years and just now this is a problem. I know. Uh, they were like, oh, it's it's now too long. Before, yesterday it was fine. Today it's too long. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, him and his family were addressing the school. Again, we talked about this last week, but this was something that just really tugged on my heartstrings yeah. as this boy, like, He's 18, he wants to graduate, and he said, I've worked for this all my life. I deserve this moment to walk across the stage and enter into life. My parents deserve this. Yes. Uh, So DeGeneres was talking to him and told him that she didn't understand why he wasn't allowed to walk in school. And uh, she she actually said, but there are girls in your school. Do the girls have long hair? Yeah. (laughs) And he said, yeah, of course, you know, there are plenty of, of girls with long hair in my school. 
So then Alicia Keys appeared and she gave him a $20,000 check to go towards his college tuition <laughs> so that when he does graduate high school, at least that's one, uh, you know, kind of relief for yeah. him. And I thought it was a really nice follow-up to last week. Yeah. We were talking about that. So it it's is. like, I like that he's sticking to his guns. He's not caving in. Because, exactly. You know, I know it's just hair to some people, but it's really important to him. Yep. Uh, it's really important well, to his it's culture. A, it's a cultural thing yeah. to him. Yeah. And that's the thing is that... I've always felt it's just hair. Cut my hair, dye it, whatever. I don't have a strong attachment to it. But I do have an understanding of why people do get attached right. to their hair. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why hair is a very symbolic thing culturally when it comes to religion um, or even just personally. You know, there are so many reasons why you can be attached to your hair. And the thing is, is it's your hair. So right. my so me saying, oh, cut it, do whatever you want to it is my choice, but it's also his choice whether, like, deciding not to cut his hair. Right. You can't force someone to let go of a part of themselves. Well, That's not appropriate. a lot of cultures in which hair is spiritually exactly. important or culturally important, uh-huh. and I think it's so dismissive and just so archaic it is. to say that, like, this boy has to cut his hair because he's a boy. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, and to me, definitely racially motivated. They can say it's because of the length and not because of the style. It's totally the style. I bet you if it was a, a white kid with long hair, they would let it slide. Yeah. They'd money. be like, tie it back. Mm-hmm, exactly. You yeah, know? put it put it back for graduation. Uh, but anyway, I, I still hope that he is able to walk in graduation. Me too. But if not, I hope that the $20,000 that Alicia Keys presented him uh, kind of softens that blow yeah. a little bit. Can I also say how much I love Alicia Keys? Ugh, I love her. I love her. Gorgeous. She, oh. Beautiful. Oh, singing voice, appearance, heart. Soul. Oh, mm. Mm, so good. Love Alicia Keys. <laughs> oh, you guys, thank you for listening to our very Kobe-themed episode. Uh, hopefully you guys got as much out of it as I felt that I did. I feel like I learned a lot in this and submit, conversation. Like, write to us and let us know what your thoughts are because Please I know do. I know it's complex. Yeah. I know it's difficult. Um, I'm not asking anybody to... I'm not asking anybody to forgive Kobe, <laughs> you know? No. So, so let your us know what you think. Valid. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, please. You can email us all of your thoughts at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can catch us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on our business page, and you can chat with our fellow ragers in the group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love it so much, and we are, I swear, we are going to start doing Reviews Day Tuesday. This week was weird because I messed up and didn't upload the episode on Monday, so I did it on Tuesday, so we didn't do a Reviews Day Tuesday, but we will start doing that this week. We will. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. So if that's an incentive for you to write in a review, I say go for it. Now is the time. Uh, also, feel free to listen to us on Radio Public if you don't already. It's a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. All right. That's everything we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.